Timberline, the level on a mountain at which summers become too cold for trees to grow, has fascinated me since I was a child. At first it was because the name resounded with adventure, especially as uttered by my older brother Bob, whose awe of the wilderness infected me early. Later, when I lived in Denver in my mid-teens, hiking above Timberline on weekends and sometimes studying the alpine displays in the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, I came to appreciate also the strangeness of Timberline, the separateness from the land where most people lived. Foothills, I learned, become mountains when they attain Timberline, and from there up the country has its own climate. A different climate means a different world. Flowers above Timberline grow practically on the ground instead of on long stems like some of their low-country cousins. Animals that don't exist in the low country perch on rocks and yip at hikers. The air is so thin that a mile looks like across the street, and so lacking in atmospheric pressure, at least in the central and southern Rockies in the High Sierra, that you can dip a finger into boiling water. Timberline is lower in the Cascades and northern Rockies, and lower still in the northern Appalachians. The boiling water trick is not a good idea in those places. You can actually feel the thinness of the air. You move more lightly than you do at home in Boston or San Francisco or Dallas or, in my case, Wichita. Most of all, Timberline has the charm of danger, its weather being capricious and violent, and of exclusiveness, at least when it has to be attained on foot and with effort. I had not experienced Timberline for a few years when, on a damp July day starting a vacation, I pulled into Denver after the long westward drive across the Kansas and Colorado Plains. Having anticipated a view that would arouse pleasant memories, I found myself disappointed. I should have known that would happen. The front range of the Rockies, as seen from Denver, doesn't often look as clear and dominant to a visitor as it does to someone who has been in that vicinity a while. Though the peaks rise 9,000 feet above town, they're also 50 miles away. If you live in Denver, especially if you sometimes go up high and walk a few miles so that you get the size of the country into your bones, you learn to interpret the view. You convert apparent inches to yards, translate gullies into gorges, and remember that what looks like grass is probably head-high willow scrub. Living somewhere else for a year or two strips away the interpretive faculty, along with your adjustment to altitude, and when you go back, your eye has to learn to multiply all over again. My eye was rusty. I saw a distant line of sky-colored mountains melting into a clabbery buildup of clouds. It was uninspiring, but I had been up there enough to hope that sunshine and re-education would bring back the old excitement. This was the start of a string of trips I planned to make to Timberline and above in the four major ranges of the contiguous states. I had hiked above Timberline in each of the ranges, all the way from 40 years to two or three years before, and I wanted to see if, in my early 60s, I still had a thrill in me that high places could pull out. For that matter, I wanted to see if I could still get up to high places. Wichita is 500 miles from Denver and 4,000 feet lower. And though I tried to keep in shape by walking a lot and by doing laps on the back stairs at the newspaper where I worked, I knew that nothing gets you in shape for hiking in the mountains, like hiking in the mountains. A dozen times or more I had tried to live close to mountains, but I always came around to the same fact. Jobs grow best in low, flat places. If I had taken an inferior job to be near mountains, I would have felt like a ski bum. Now, with vacation time to use up, I was starting a brief, fully-hedged dropout from the Protestant ethic, 
which also seems to grow best a long way below timberline.